Education Weekly reports that there were 38 school shootings in 2023. And in that ancient practice of prayer called the Great Litany that we do on the first Sunday of Lent every year, we pray for the pain of this modern day and we named every school. 38 schools, elementary schools, middle schools, high schools. I went on the internet this week and tried to search, is there some kind of a profile of the kind of young person that would do such a thing? And there really isn't. There's not a real profile, but there are certain characteristics that these young people who end up doing the shootings have in common. They tend to have experienced some kind of bullying somewhere in their past. And in response to that, they isolated. Almost without exception, these were young people who had withdrawn, who were on their computers, who were having imaginary lives about revenge and violence. They felt alone. They felt alone. In addition to the great litany on the first Sunday of Lent, every year in our tradition, we read about how Jesus, immediately after his baptism, he walked out into the desert, into the wilderness, where he was tempted by Satan. This story happens in Matthew, in Mark, and in Luke. Of course, Mark is the shortest gospel, so the story that we hear today is very brief. In Matthew and in Luke, there's a lot more detail about what the devil says to Jesus and what Jesus says in response. And Jesus' hunger and his struggle and his pain. I've been reading this story all my life, but for the first time this year, a new thought occurred to me. How do we even know about this? This is something that happened privately. Jesus was alone. How do we have this story? There's only one conclusion I can make, and that's that Jesus went back and he told his friends what had happened. Jesus told someone about his inner struggle. He told someone something about himself that was not all positive. Now, granted, he says no, but the devil came to him. And he had the courage and the vulnerability to tell the truth about what he felt and what he went through to his friends. And because of that, we get strength from that. 
Because if the Son of God was tempted, then by golly, maybe it's okay if I'm tempted too. And if the Son of God had dark thoughts, then maybe it's okay that I have dark thoughts too. And if the Son of God struggled, then maybe it's okay that I struggle too. But I would never know that if Jesus hadn't shared it with his friends. The incarnation of God, I believe, came for many reasons. But one of them was to show us how God calls us to be human. And Jesus is showing us today that God does not want for us to isolate. God does not want for you to be alone. God wants you to talk to someone that you trust, not just about the good stuff, not just about the minutia of your life, but about what's really going on inside of your mind and heart. God wants you to open up about your struggles. Because reconciliation begins with vulnerability. Reconciliation begins when you tell the truth about who you are and what you're going through now. On Tuesday, I will have the great honor of doing a Zoom interview with an author. Her name is Catherine Meeks, and the book that she's written is called A Quilted Life, the story of a sharecropper's daughter. Catherine Meeks is a black woman who grew up in rural Arkansas. Her father was an illiterate sharecropper. He made sure that she went to school. She would later become a PhD and a leader in this nation. But when she grew up, they were so poor. And her father, every week, would tell this story about her half-brother, Garland. Garland had died before Catherine was born. Garland was a handsome, intelligent, funny, joyful young man. And he was healthy as a horse until one day he started getting some abdominal pain. Now the only hospital anywhere near them only served white people. And they were afraid and they didn't have a car, so they tried giving Garland laxatives and they tried just putting him to bed, but the abdominal pain got worse and it got worse until it was really bad. So her father took Garland to that hospital and he begged them, he said, please, there's something really wrong with my son. Please, just in a back room, can some doctor look at him? No, we don't see white, we don't see black people here. You gotta go to the black hospital which was 75 miles away. Having no car, her father had to beg friends. It took him hours before he found a friend who could drive his son to the hospital. 
By the time he got there, his appendix had ruptured and all of his insides were infected and he died. Her father could not stop talking about this because it was the great pain of his life. But Catherine, not knowing how to manage her father's pain, she just zipped her lips and worked really hard. And she worked and she worked and she got good jobs and she graduated college and master's degree and she went and started teaching at a university and she kept working and working, but she never talked about it. And she said, although outwardly I was functioning, inwardly I was falling apart. Until one day when a group of women invited her to meet with them. It was a small group of white and black women together. They started talking about self-worth. And this elderly black woman said, I, sometimes I go through these waves where I hate myself. And the other women said, why, you're, you're so wonderful and so beautiful. And she said, well, I'll tell you the truth. As a child, my family and I were meant to, we were forced to drink water out of the trough where the animals drank water. And so I, ah, sometimes that, that memory of drinking that dirty water, it just comes back to me and I feel like I don't deserve to be here. She started to cry and the other women started to cry. One of the young white women said, can I wash your feet? And she said, no way. I don't want you washing my feet. First of all, I don't like my feet. Second of all, this isn't you that did this. And she said, yeah, but it's part of my history. And so the woman said, okay. And while they all cried, one of the women washed the other one's feet. And Catherine was watching all this and something started to break apart inside of her. She started to talk. And then she started to write. God took a hold of her life. She just retired as the head of the Absalom Jones Center for Racial Healing in Atlanta. And her book, well, I didn't even tell you the tip of the iceberg. You got to read it for yourself. You know, when Jesus appeared in the resurrected form and they couldn't recognize him, he didn't show them his nice hairdo. He didn't show them his muscles. He showed them his wounds. He showed them where he had been hurt. That's how we knew it was him. And that's how we know it's each other when we share our wounds. Not how great we are, not how much money we're making, not how we're so handsome or beautiful, but when we share what's really going on, that's when we see each other. And that's where God shows up. That's where resurrection life occurs. In the book of Genesis, God is so frustrated with the people that God wants to just wipe out the human race. Sometimes I think God must want to do that now. But Noah and his family were pretty good and God loved the animals. So he said, I'll save some of you, put them in a boat. You know the story. 
We like to make it into a nursery rhyme. I think that's because we don't want to really think about what it means. But anyway, when they land, God makes a promise. God says, I will never, ever wipe you out. I will love you no matter what. I will make a, an agreement with you, a promise, a covenant. And the sign of my promise is a rainbow. You know what a rainbow is? A rainbow, and I'm not a scientist, so forgive me, but a rainbow is when you take light and you basically break it apart. It breaks into its colors. In other words, it's when light becomes vulnerable, when light opens itself up to all of its rich variety for us to see. God is saying, here's all my colors. And when you say to someone else that you love or trust, here's all my colors. Here's the purple, here's the blue, here's the red, here's the yellow, here's the orange. Here's all of me, my good, but also my struggles, my light and my darkness, my temptation and my strength, my courage and my fear. If we can dare to do that kind of vulnerability together, to tell the truth, that's where the healing of the world begins. Because that's how God shows up. Amen. <laughs>